This is Chad Harrison, and you're listening to Hope Alive, applying God's word to your daily life. Hi, this is Chad Harrison, and I am the teaching pastor of Lake Community Church and have been serving as a pastor for 25 years. I'm also a practicing attorney. This podcast is designed to help you study God's word and find God's will for your life. I pray in the name of Jesus right now that God would open up his word to you and allow you to see him and to know him and to know his will, that you might glorify him and that you might walk in faith and power each and every day, especially today, in Jesus' name. In Psalm chapter 67, and we're going to move through this. This is one of the, in words, not in verses, in words is one of the shortest psalms in the Bible. In the book of Psalms, it's uh, out of 150, it's, it's one of the very shortest as far as words. Like I said, not verses. So, this morning we want to go through that. It is it is a psalm that does not have an author, so we don't know it just like the last psalm. It is a praise psalm. It some people call it a doxology. It's a uh, blessing. It's a it's it it is very short, but it does give us as you go through scripture. What I love about scripture is that it is consistent. It ties together theology, understandings of God that are consistently presented in different. Uh, formats, different atmospheres, different different locations, different uh, situations, and and we've read the Psalms of Asaph. We've said it, read obviously numerous Psalms of. And now we're reading a Psalm written by somebody that we don't even know, and it says, "God be merciful to us and bless us, and cause His face to shine upon us." That's, it's one of the parts of the uh, blessing that I, I like to uh, give at the end of services and Bible studies. He says, uh, he says, uh, God be merciful to us and bless us. And mercy is a, uh, mercy is an important idea. I always say that grace and mercy are two sides of the same coin. Grace is receiving what we do not deserve and uh, salvation, atonement, a relationship with God, his blessings, his goodness, which is the psalm asked for, asked for a blessing, which is a great, is grace from God. It's getting what we don't deserve. Mercy is not getting what we do deserve. And uh, mercy is the idea that we deserve, we deserve to be cut off, separated. The wages of sin, not uh, a lifestyle of sin, not a life full of sin, but the wages of a singular sin is death. And understanding that the wages of sin is death, because the standard in scripture is a violation of any of the law of the Old Testament and the law of the Old Testament meaning that which defines the character of God. The law of the Old Testament defines the holiness and character of God. So a violation or a transgression of just one aspect of the law is a transgression of the whole law. It's not like the law in, in Alabama, the Alabama code, the penal code, um, the criminal code has a has code after code. And if you violate in, in Alabama law, if you violate one aspect of the penal code, you don't violate the whole penal code. You don't violate every criminal act in, in, in the Alabama code. In fact, in order to violate the code in Alabama, you have to meet all the you have to you have to meet all the elements of that 
Take, for instance, uh, theft is the taking of another, the wrongful taking of another, intentionally and wrongfully taking from another. So you have to intentionally take from someone, and it has to be wrongful to do it. And I may be maybe not quoting it exactly right, but say, for instance, I walk into a room and there's $1,000 in cash on the table, and I take that cash and it's uh, somebody else's money, I put it in my pocket and I leave with it and I spend it. That is that is uh, wrongful. And I took it, I possessed it, and then I, I used it. I don't even have to use it. I just can take it and possess it. And that, it's wrongful, okay? But say, for instance, I can prove that my wife told me she was going to leave me $1,000 in cash on the table to go and pay off a bill. And that I was supposed to go and do that. And that's what I went and did. I went and paid the bill off for that thousand dollars. Then it would not be, it would not be theft. The reason it wouldn't be theft is, is because I didn't intend to take somebody else's money. I rightly, my, my, my mind rightly believed that money to be mine. And now I might have done something civilly wrong and I need to pay that person back, but I didn't do anything criminally wrong. I didn't violate the code. I didn't violate the law. Because one element of that of that law against theft, I, I didn't meet. So I'm not wrong for that. But the Old Testament law, the problem is this. When you miss the mark of God's character, when you violate the law in the Old Testament in any way, you have missed God totally because God is perfectly holy. He's perfectly good. He's perfectly righteous. And to fall short of that means that you're cut off from him because he cannot be around that which is unholy. So a violation of spiritual law, a violation of the law of the Old Testament, the violation of God cuts you off completely from him. And being in the position of being cut off completely from him, you must be given a way back. And the only way that can be given to you is by mercy because you do not deserve it you do not deserve it but you are given it when somebody says please give me a second chance i listen to me there's nothing wrong with giving somebody a second chance but the problem with that is i am giving them something they do not deserve okay you don't deserve a second chance you're being given a second chance i when God redeems us, when God redeems us by the death, burial, and resurrection of his son, King Jesus, and the shedding of his blood, when, when he redeems us that way, and we're redeemed from death and sin that way, we're getting something we do not do. He is paying the price for the violation of his holiness. And when he asks for God be merciful to us, there, it, that has a lot of depth to it. It is tremendously deep. And then he asked, and we're asking for you to, on top of not give us what we do deserve, we're asking you to bless us and give us what we don't deserve, and that is grace. So in all actuality, the first line of this, this psalm says, God be merciful to us and give us grace. And, and there's a lot to that. There's a lot of, there's a lot involved in that because the blessings of God come from his goodness and his love toward us, even though we don't deserve it. He says, be, be merciful and to us and bless us and cause his face to shine upon us. And, and that is an extra 
not only do we want to be blessed, but we actually want to see him and know him. That's what to uh, make his face to shine upon us, meaning to turn his face to us so that you can see and know. That's one of the really negative aspects of wearing a face mask is in society because uh, 90% of your communication is nonverbal. It's physical. And most of that communication takes place in the face. But there's a lot that takes place with your body and, and how you react to things. But a lot of communication takes place in your face. Well, if I cover everything but my eyes, I lose a great majority of the communication that I do. And if more than half, if 90% of your communication is actually nonverbal and your face is, let's just say, your face is at least 50% of, probably more like 60 or 70% of that, then half of your communication is lost when you wear a face mask. So it makes it very difficult for there to be connection, very difficult for there to be relationship, very difficult to understand really what somebody's saying because I can say the same thing with four or five or six or 10 or 20 different facial expressions and have a different meaning. But when God shines his face upon us, he gives us his whole counsel. His face is literally shining his character and his nature. And so when we're asking God uh, to uh, make his face to shine upon us, what we're asking God to do is reveal who he is to us. And, and just because I've received mercy and just because I've received grace does not mean that I deserve to actually know his, know his character. I think, of, I think of the story of Moses and Miriam and Aaron when they talked bad about him because he'd married a Cushite wife when he'd, he'd taken a black woman as one of his wives. And they spoke evil of him to the nations and, and God brought them before the tent of meeting and, and, and asked, he said to them, to, to prophets and, and priests, I speak in visions and dream. Why were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? Because to him, I speak face to face. Okay. What he say, what God was saying about that, about Moses is that God has revealed to Moses his very character and his very nature. And God and him had an intimate relationship where not only did God know Moses intimately, but in Moses had known God intimately. And, and the reason he had it is because Moses had sought out that relationship. Moses had desired to see God's face. He desired to see it. And let me tell you something, an intimate relationship with anybody has to be sought out and desired. It cannot be just it does not develop just in the course of human events. Uh, man is selfish and man is separated from God and separated from others because of sin. And so any good relationship you have with somebody, any intimate relationship that you have with somebody where the aspects of their character and nature and where you discuss uh, uh, important things about their lives with them has to be sought out. It has to be intentional. And it always is intentional if you have one. And if you don't have one, the reason is because you have not intentionally tried to have one. Boy, that's a hard thing to understand and hard thing to accept, but that's the truth. Uh, he says, and cause his face to shine upon us. So do you want an intentional relationship with God? Well, you have to seek it out. Now, God is willing to have one with you. He already is intimate with you in the sense that he knows you completely. Question is, are you willing to know him so that y'all can have a mutual 
a mutual intimate relationship. He says, that way, that your way may be known on earth. And notice, the only way for God's ways to be known on earth, according to the psalmist, is for him to have intimate relationship with those who are on the earth. Okay? You say, that kind of makes sense. It has some deeper meaning to it, because if we are unwilling to have intimate relationship with him, he is not made known to others because he's chosen us to be the carrier of the news about the ability to know him. And if we're not willing to carry that news to the world, if we're not willing to carry that news to those around us, then are we really, are we, is, the, is, it, is God going to be revealed to them? And I would say this, yeah, God's going to reveal himself to them. But he's going to use means beyond you, and you are not going to receive the blessing that comes from being a part of that process. He says that your way may be known on the earth, your salvation among all nations. Notice in the Old Testament here, he is he is trying to trying to bring about a knowledge and an understanding of his salvation to all nations of the earth. And and in the Old Testament, the Jewish people were to be that light to the whole earth, that city on a hill. That's, that isn't hidden. And, and boy, he had a difficult time with him being that, just like today. Sometimes he has a really difficult time with his church being that. And so it's, it just really hadn't, a whole lot hadn't changed. The nature of man has not changed. And the difficulty of man actually seeking intimacy with God is, is not changed. He said, let the peoples praise you, O God. Let the peoples praise you. He wants the people of the earth to praise God. Let all the peoples pray. And the reason is because he is full of mercy and grace and willing to show his face. He is full of the mercy that we need. He's willing to give the grace and he's willing to show his face to us, reveal himself to us. And so he is worthy of being praised. He said, oh, let the nations be glad and sing for joy. See, knowing God brings about gladness. It brings about abiding joy. It brings about uh, a subtleness peaceful that that can only come knowing that someone is in control that is able to control it. Have you ever been in a situation where it seemed like there was just total chaos and somebody stepped in and took control and they led and they were able to handle it and it seemed like your opinion of the whole situation was calmed and eased because you knew someone who was capable is in charge? Well, can you imagine actually allowing it to be over your life and to be in control of your life? The peace that comes from that, sure, there's great, great peace that comes from that. There's gladness that comes from that. There's, uh, whew, I'm glad that God, I'm glad he showed up. You ever been in that situation? I'm glad that happened. There's great gladness when you allow God to be in control. And there's great joy when you allow him to be in control. He says, for you shall judge the people righteously. Meaning he makes the correct decisions. He makes the correct, he, when he's in charge and, and we have gladness and joy, he makes the correct decisions. And you govern the nations on the earth, which means you, you are sovereignly in charge. And I trust in that over everything else. He says, let the people praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Same line as we see in verse three is repeated. Then the earth shall yield her increase. Notice. There's an abundance when God is in control. The earth shall yield her in. It's going to bear its fruit in the right season. There's great abundance when God's in control. There's great want when God's not in control. I can't say that enough. 
There's great abundance when God's in control because you get mercy, grace, and you get to see his face. There's great uh, want and desire and nothingness when God's not in control. That is true. Uh, I, I, I cannot emphasize that enough. That is true. When God is in control, there's great abundance. When God is not in control, there's great desire and want because there's not enough. He says, uh, then the earth shall yield or increase. God, our, our own God shall bless us. He says, God shall bless us and all the ends of the earth shall fear him. See, one of the things is he, he uses his blessing and his peace and his love to reveal himself to all the nations because we are willing to trust him and allow him, allow ourselves to be the, the conduit of that grace. The only way for the earth to see and know God is for us to walk in his mercy, his grace, and the light of his face. That's the only way for us to see him, is for us to walk in his mercy and grace and light of his face. And, and that's the only way for the world to see him. And so we have this great uh, mission, this great commission that God has given us to, to reveal his salvation to all people and to all people around us and to be a source of joy and light and love to those people. And I pray that'll be that for you today. And this seven verse song, there is a lot of goodness in it. There's a lot of glory in it. As you go today, I pray that the Lord will bless you and keep you, that he'll make his face to shine upon you and that he will give you hope and peace today in Jesus name.